2 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's look at verse 6 through 8. Did you all bring your Bibles today? If the, children, uh, the junior high needs to be dismissed, you all can go ahead. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him, what? Yes. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a tearful giver. No, God doesn't love a tearful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Now read verse 8 with me. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now I want you to notice in the context of that verse, grace is connected with you having sufficiency. And the sufficiency that the Apostle Paul is talking about is the sufficiency to sow seed. And the sufficiency to sow seed into wherever God may lead. Amen. Verse 9. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now read verse 10 with me. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers food for bread for your food, and multiplies your seed sown, and increases the fruits of your righteousness. You know what that says to me in verse 9 and verse 10? That God will provide you some seed to sow. He will absolutely, positively show you where your seed is. And not only that, He will show you where to sow your seed. Amen? And so we see here the principle of the seed. It is God's will that there be no lack among us. You know, the psalmist said, he said, glory to God. Psalm 35, 27. I don't want to get out ahead of myself. So let's look at Psalm 35, 27. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready to receive from God. Amen. Psalm 35, verse 27. It is the will of God for there to be no lack among us. It is God's plan for you to prosper. I was talking to some people yesterday at my home and 3 John 2 came up where it says, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that you may what? Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, if you look up that word prosper there, it means to have a prosperous journey. And the lady said, well, life is that way. Life is a journey. Do you agree with that? Life is a journey. And God wants us to go through life prosperously. He wants us to go through life with our needs met. Now in Psalm 35, 27, I believe it says, let them shout for what? Joy and be glad. Nothing about being sad. You know, when you're shouting, you're glad. When the Giants won the pennant last night, we shouted. We're especially glad because little Olivia is going to come up. Hallelujah. And Mama's making preparations. She's getting ready. Now, if the Giants didn't win, they wouldn't be making their way up. But Brenda had greater faith than John and I. She went to Target after we ate on Friday night. And she got the diapers. She got the food. And John says, well, you might want to wait and see how the game goes. 
And she said, nah, I'm in faith. She texts John and, and <laughs> John says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I think we've all been there in life a little bit. But notice this, let him shout for what? For joy. The only time you hear shouting when it's not for joy is when it's in a wrong spirit. Moms and dads shouting at one another. Friends shouting at one another in a fight. No, he's not talking about that kind of shout. Let's shout for joy. And be glad. Now, here's a very interesting statement. He says, that favor my righteous cause. Now, what is God's righteous cause? God's righteous cause, number one, is souls. The cause of Christ is to get as many people saved as we possibly can before he returns. But not only that, the cause of Christ is to clothe the naked. The cause of Christ is to feed the hungry. The cause of Christ is to go out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come into the family of God. The cause of Christ is to go into the prisons and minister to those that are bound behind bars. That's the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ is to minister to the mentally disturbed. That's the cause of Christ. That's what a church is all about. And the Master said, If you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And when you sow your seed and your time in that fashion, the Lord takes notice. Because what that is doing is that is fulfilling Matthew 6.33. You're seeking first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things are going to be added unto you. So let them shout for joy that favor my righteous cause. Do you favor his righteous cause? And then he goes on to say, Yea, let them say continually. So here's your faith. Here's your words. Let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified. Which has pleasure in what? Let him be mag- Lord be magnified in the lives here. Be magnified in my life. Which what? Which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. In other words, it gives God great pleasure when his sons and his daughters are about his business. And they are about fulfilling his righteous cause. If we really want to get heaven to take notice of us here at Heart of the Bay, we will put our money where our mouth is. We will have outreaches. We will feed. We will clothe. We will do our very best to fulfill His righteous cause. And what that does is that magnifies Him. And it gives Him great pleasure to prosper your life. In other words... Your journey in life, it will be well with you. It will be well with you. It will be well with your children. It may not look well right now, but it shall be well. Say it real strong. It shall be well. It is well. And it shall be well. Because my father takes great pleasure in prospering my life. Now notice at the end of that verse, it says, Let them shout for joy that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his what? 
Well, glory to God. We are all servants of the Most High God, but we're also sons. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Woo, glory. If he took great pleasure in them in the old covenant, how much more will he take great pleasure in us under the new covenant? We got a better covenant. And it is established upon better promises. So I just dropped by to encourage you to get happy about seeking his kingdom. Find someone you can be a blessing to. Find someone you can smile at. Find someone that maybe you could give a one dollar bill to. See, one of the things that the devil works on people in is the area of their seed. People have a tendency not to value their seed. Well, I only have a dollar. No, I got a dollar. You got to get this now. Well, I only have five dollars. No, I've got five dollars. Where do you want me to sow it, Lord? Where do you want me to get it? Don't eat your seed, saint. Sow your seed. Because he will multiply your seed sown. But don't devalue your seed. Don't minimize your seed. Woo, glory to God. There is the law of multiplication that can take place when you sow your seed. Oh, thank you. Whew. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your holy name. Well, I don't have any seed. Yeah, you do. Claim some. Claim it. You got faith. Faith is as a seed. Every one of you that are born again, you got faith. What is it you have in your hand? What is it that you have in your house? Every one of us have seed, probably, that we're not aware of. What I believe that we need to do in these days and these hours, we need to go on a seed search. It might be good if you cleaned your closet out at least once a year. Go on a seed search. If you don't have seed, claim you some seed. If you spend $4.99 at lunch at McDonald's, spend $3.99. Take that dollar and sow it to the Lord. God will multiply your seed sown. And He'll do it some 30, some 60, some 100. And He's not limited to 100. Don't you ever limit God to a hundred. Are you ready to eat now? Wow. He's in to multiplication. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to some of these scriptures about multiplication. You don't try to put them up there. Let me just read them. Genesis 17, 2. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Genesis twenty two seventeen, That in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Genesis 26, 4. 
And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of the heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 47, 27. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and they grew. They became greater. We were praying about that this morning in the, in the prayer class, in the prayer time. Become greater, heart of the bay. Become greater. When I was down at, uh, Brenda and I were down at uh, Week of Increase with Brother Keith Moore. I didn't know he was standing in front of us. The power of God was so strong on Thursday night. They were just enraptured in the power of God. But he began to pray over us. Become greater. Become greater. Become greater. I received that. No, not an ego greater, but enlarged. Let your vision be enlarged. Let the ministry be enlarged. Let there be a greater influence. Let us have a greater impact in the area. Become greater. Listen, friends, if the church is going to become greater, all of us need to be enlarged. We all need to come up, including Pastor Mark. Get ready, get ready, get ready. That's right. Now listen to this, Deuteronomy 8.13. He says, now remember when your herds and your flocks multiply, right? And thy silver and thy gold is what? Multiplied. And all that thou hast is multiplied. Remember, he says, the Lord your God. When you become greater, when you start experiencing jobs, when you get that mate, don't go from the front row to the back row and eventually to bedside assembly. Well, I came to church, I came to singles, I got my mate, now I can take some time off. No, that's the time to increase. It's like the guy that made the excuse with Jesus. Well, I've married a wife and you know I can't be there. Deuteronomy eleven twenty one says this, that your days may be multiplied. See, God wants your life to increase. Multiplied days. And the days of your children. In the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, listen, as the days of heaven upon earth. Hallelujah. Proverbs 9.11 says, For by me, that's wisdom, shall your days be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. Do you suppose that God would honor us with long life if we honor Him? Do you suppose He would honor the lives of your children if you teach and train your children in the way of the Lord that it's better to be in church than at soccer practice on Sunday morning? Well, you're meddling now. I'm going to sound like Richard Nixon there. All right. Acts 6-7. And the word of God increased. Now notice, and when the word of God is multiplying and increased, the Bible says that the number of the disciples will be multiplied. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the Lord. In Acts chapter 12, 24, it says, but the word of God multiplied and increased. We're going to see some changes Amen. in the next year at Heart of the Bay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I believe the Lord is already starting to deal with me on a couple of things that we'll be announcing in November at the banquet. But it's going to be in the area of the increase of the disciples in this place. There is going to be an increase of Christ-likeness at Heart of the Bay. There is going to be a coming up in your lives. In your lives. And in my life. There's going to be an increase of Christ-likeness. And there's going to be a fine-tuning. That's what the Lord says. In your spirit. Because we are getting ready. To go up. And to come up. And to be in the position and in the place that he has poured out so graciously for us to flow in. Amen. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so I am calling as a senior pastor. I am calling all of you people out there as ministers of the gospel. Every one of you are. I'm calling for everyone. That is hungry. I am calling for all hands to be on deck. Hallelujah. And we'll, we'll, we'll give you more later, but glory to God at the right time. Everyone say at the right time. Thank you, Lord. You know, that's what happens when you get full of the spirit. You, You just can't in any way possible. You can get through your notes. Aren't you glad? That pastors don't, that are, are delivered from their notes. It isn't three points in a poem here. Now turn me to John 12. So God's will is no lack among us. I remind you, he multiplies your seed zone. That's not addition. Get that confession sheet out on that second newsletter and start declaring it. Start speaking it regularly. Jesus Christ is and was the greatest seed ever sown. It all points back to Him. John chapter 12, and we look at verse uh, 24, I believe. John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. So Jesus was that corn of wheat. He hung on the cross. He was buried. He went into the balls of the earth for three days and three nights into Hades itself. He died. But the Bible says it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Listen. Something happened supernatural in the very backyard domain of the bowels of the earth. Something happened. That seed germinated. And on the third day, that seed sprung up and rose up and said, oh, hell. I was dead. But he said, 
Guys, I'm alive. And not only am I alive, but I've got the keys of Hades and death. And he said, look, all authority is given unto me. Now I want you to take these keys and go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That seed is still producing a harvest today. Think about it. On the day of Pentecost, hundreds. And then soon thousands of people came to Christ. And your name was in there somewhere. Maybe your name is in there today. But that seed is producing a continual harvest. Oh, glory to God. And of course, the enemy thought he had him down. But the God who goes against all odds raised him up. And don't you know that the enemy was waxing proud and stuffing his stu- uh, I mean, strutting his stuff. He said, what are you going to do now? Like Billy Brim says. What are you going to do now in that shrill voice? What are you going to do now? Anybody ever heard that before? I've heard, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. What are you going to do now? Bills are due tomorrow. What are you going to do now? The doctors say you have an incurable disease. What are you going to do now? 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 You're about to lose your home. They're foreclosing on you. What are you going to do now, big shot? Well, I say we turn the tables on that turkey. And we stand up and rise up. Say, devil, I read in the word of God that Jesus died and rose from the dead. What are you going to do now? And I read in the Bible that he has given me a measure of mountain moving faith. And I'm about to use it. What are you going to do now, big shot? And I read in the word of God that if I give, it'll be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men shall get to my bosom. I'm about to sow my seed into the advancement of the kingdom of God. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Just get bold with him. And I read in the word of God that Jesus is about to put you in a bottomless pit soon. And very soon. You better get ready, devil. And I got a question for you. What are you going to do now? Just turn the tables on him. We are dealing with a defeated foe. He is under our feet. We are not at a disadvantage. We are believers and we are in a preferred position. We are in a place of great advantage. Listen, friends, having Jesus in your life, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having your heavenly father, who is your father, who loves you. That's a majority. We are in a preferred position. It is the believer's advantage to be able to use the name of Jesus. It is the believer's advantage to be able to take out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and speak God's Word over our circumstance. It's not, what are we going to do? It's what is He going to do? 
Because I read in the Word, if I'll submit myself to God, then I resist the devil and the devil will flee from me. And the word flee there in the Greek means run from as in terror. You ought to get to a place in God where you're so full of the Holy Spirit that all you got to do is... He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. John Osteen, that great pastor from Houston, Texas, who's Joel Osteen's father, uh, paved the way for that great church in Houston today. But John Osteen was teaching and preaching one day. And he said, you know, the devil's got little trainee demons. (laughs) And you know, the scripture says he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he said, yeah, the devil showed up in my neighborhood one time. And I watch him. They went by that house and the, and the chief demon told all these other little trainee demons, go and cause a divorce. You know, just went to another house. Okay, go in there and just, just cause all sorts of strife and all sorts of marital problems. Just go ahead. He says, but they came to my house. And the demon looked over and started walking ahead. And the trainee demons, trainee demons said... What about that house? What about that house? And he says, no, boys. He says, I went there myself and lot to get my brains knocked out. <laughs> so what does the devil see when he goes by your house? Huh? Wow. That's a thought. What is he hearing? A better question would be is, are you accommodating his presence? Or are you accommodating the presence of the Lord? Everyone say, devil, you're under my feet. What are you going to do? Throughout the Bible, and I'm, I'm fixing to close. But throughout the word of God. You see miracle after miracle. And one of the mandates on us as a church during this time is to pray for miracles. And that's why we're teaching on Wednesday nights on the gifts of the Spirit. Because how can you believe for something and expect something that you don't know anything about? See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Is that right? But throughout the Word of God, we see miracle after miracle, after miracle. Do we not? Don't you know that the Red Sea splitting was a miracle? When Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And put the mantle down on the Jordan and it split. Don't you know that the stopping of the sun from setting was a miracle? God's miracle working power produces works of power. We could talk over and over again about all of the miracles in the Bible. Come Wednesday night and we'll rehearse some of them. And I want you to know today that miracles are not a myth. Theologians will try to get you to buy into the fact, well, the Red Sea, you know, was only two feet of water. Only two feet of water. I mean, you know. Even a greater miracle. The whole Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water. (laughs) 
but it was more than two feet of water. The Bible says that the waters congealed. It means they froze. The children of Israel went over with air conditioning. But when the children, uh, the, 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 the Egyptians went through, it all melted and caused them. I'd say that's a miracle. We're going to look at, 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 at one of these miracles uh, soon, but not today. But how about Jesus when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes? How about that? One theologian said, well, they were big loaves. <laughs> Seminary will make you stupid. I'm glad Rama didn't make me dumb. Yeah, they were big loaves. To feed four to 5,000 men. Now listen, plus women and children? Those things really happened. And I found in the Word of God that our God doesn't change. Now listen to this quote from Howard Carter. He is a man that is very ardent and trained along the lines of the gifts of the Spirit. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. But listen to his definition of miracles. Everyone say miracles. Miracles. We believe. We we expect. expect Miracles. miracles. Carter said miracles are the supernatural demonstration of the power of God. By which the laws of nature are altered, or suspended, or controlled. Now, our God is the creator, so if he wants to alter, suspend, or control the laws of nature, I guess he can. I mean, water into wine is a miracle. And he goes on to say, it is an almighty gift glorifying the God of power. And stimulate, stimulating the faith of his people. And astonishing and confounding the unbelief of the wicked. We need miracles. We were praying this morning. We need heaven's help. Lord, help us. We need help from heaven to reach the harvest. Now listen to this. According to the Greek concordance... Miracle means explosions of almightiness. Or impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments. In other words, one writer said, the Greek could read to another the working of miracles, of impelling, staggering wonders and astonishments, listen to this, or the outworkings of explosions of almightiness and acts of power. Now, I want to leave you with this thought today, and we'll pick up on it, if not next Sunday soon. But I want to leave you with this thought. Never limit the God of miracles to the past. Never limit the God of miracles to the past. And never limit Him just to healing miracles. Thank God for them. Never Limit him just to delivering miracles or miracles of nature. But he also is a provisional miracle working God. He is a provisional miracle 
working God. He is a provisional, miracle, working God. He is a provisional, miracle, working God. And what we're going to do the next time we pick up on this, we're going to look at the miracles found in the Bible and how that the miracle was never stayed until a person stopped their receptivity. Or until a person stopped passing it on. Say it with me. He is a provisional miracle working God. Have you been encouraged today? Well, praise God. Then I've done my job.